Hello and welcome to another edition of Two Irish Guys Discussing Software. My name is Tomás O'Leary. This week, this month, you have one Irish guy and a very mm-hmm. good friend of mine, Harry Candidai, who is our Senior Vice President of Strategic Alliances and Global Thought Leadership. Welcome, Harry. You're not an Irish guy. Is that, that correct? Uh, that is correct, Tomás. I, I was thinking of an easy fix. Just add an O. Harry O. Candidai, I become Irish. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That, don't worry. That, that, that works. That works. Well, uh, I think... Great we, uh, to be here, good. by the way. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Yep. Nah, this is great. This is great to have you. We're going to talk about the plight of the mainframe today. And, and we've touched on this back in episode 17. We'll come back to that in a moment. But I guess this is what I would describe, Harry, that the ultimate and technical debt mm-hmm. um, is, the, is the mainframe. So we're going to touch on that in a moment. But back to the Irish piece, I guess, originally, obviously, you're, you're in California. Today, you know where I am. I'm, I'm actually in Sydney, Australia, and um, um, we're very I for international, I for Irish, and I guess I for and originally India. from India, yeah. <laughs> so put that I in there as well. That's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All, all the eyes, all the eyes, and we're mm-hmm. everywhere. Okay, brilliant, brilliant. So yeah, listen, this is going to be a show. We're going to have talk about the mainframe. We're going to talk about the, these this ultimate technical death. The the mainframe is dead. Was an episode we had back in 2017. We had a, a good friend of mine, Paul Arnrich, came on and it was it was fascinating i mean ultimately my friend and myself had a, had a conversation with them and i said the mainframe absolutely was not dead and i think mm-hmm. looking at today it's safe to say that's exactly where we are the mainframe is not dead sure it's not Without a doubt. Absolutely. And if you think about the podcast you did back with Paul Tomas in 2020, I believe it was, and I recall Paul talking about a public face and a private face that large companies have when when they talk about mainframes, right? Uh, Publicly, it's a great Great story. Hey, we need to get off the mainframe. We're looking at the, a faster, a cheaper, more modern alternative. And as we know, mainframes are tied to very high capital expense. So publicly, it is a, a good thing to say. But as Paul also said, the majority of the companies privately know, and this is true today than it was in 2020, privately, they know they never can count on actually moving away from, from the mainframes, right? They, they really can't. Can you imagine, Tomas, an airline, you know, using mainframe for flight and crew planning and reservations and uh, go down the list, maintenance and crew scheduling, air traffic control? <laughs> what is the risk if they are looking at moving out of mainframe and, or take any of the world's top banks, 96 of the 100, I believe, you use mainframes and they use mainframes for large scale transaction processing or equally retail companies, 23 of the top 25 use mainframes to process transactions and manage inventories, et cetera. So bottom line is, I, 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 Paul, I think was spot on. I think it's true today as well. There's a huge risk and companies are, you know, depending on the industry, you, you know, highly sensitive, highly regulated and uh, high risk to move off to an alternative. So bottom line, I agree, mainframe's not going anywhere. And in fact, I think it's alive and kicking more than it was back in 2020, Tomas. Um, I was just doing a, a quick look at the the revenue numbers, right? Uh, from Z Systems, they announced what the Z15 back in 2019 and then the Z Z16 was released earlier this year, I believe, back in April. But the average revenue increase has been 60 to 62% year over year. So we'll see what the new series does. But even from a revenue perspective, it's, it's alive and kicking. So 
Yeah. You know, but- yeah. You mentioned bottom line there. I mean, I remember Paul telling us actually when you talk mm-hmm. about the mainframe again, he mentioned the study that had been done by some forensic accountants who examined that nearly 80% of IBM's profit comes down to mainframe. You know, just a significant portion. And he was talking about sort of the number of transactions, business transactions, Mm -hmm. that ultimately at some point, he said 92% of business transactions, whether it's that, you know, airline booking system or bank transaction, at some stage they touch a mainframe, all right? 80% 80% of the world's business data is on a mainframe. This is incredible. You know what Amazing. I mean? So, you know, and still 7% of the global spend is on mainframes of IT spend. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is enormous. When you look at the, the total spend on IT, whether it's been the hardware, it's the software, it's the services, it's the people. You know, you go, go back to that technical debt conversation mm-hmm. we had before. This concept of that, that legacy or technical debt yep. Getting getting smaller physically, you know the physical size of, of this relative to this. Maybe the physical size hasn't changed massively. Let's be honest. But right. the physical size relative to the overall size of the cloud or the data centers that are out there today, and the mainframes, and the legacy type products that run in that environment, and the technical debt element, it's may it may be shrinking relative in terms of physical size and numbers of users, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But actually, it's 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 importance has mm-hmm. probably stayed the same. Yep. And its costs have clearly remained the same relative. So it is this environment that looks like it's getting smaller, but it's actually getting no smaller at all. I mean, Paul talked about at the time, you know, there's, I think you mentioned it there, but there's a trend that yeah. people want to say they're getting off a mainframe. And, uh, you know, there was a recent story, recent enough at the time, about a CIO saying that they had got off, they were migrating off the mainframe because that's what the, that's what the story that they wanted. Mm-hmm. And what they neglected to say is that they were getting off a Unisys mainframe onto an IBM mainframe. So they're actually, <laughs> they really weren't, weren't going off a mainframe at all. And I think this is one of the challenges. And one of the things we push people to think about is that there's a, an accepted view in the industry that says we must replace the technical debt. We must right. replace the legacy. When in actual fact, maybe this is the problem. That what we need to be saying is, no, you don't need to replace the technical debt. You do need to think about restructuring the technical debt. And yes. that technical can be restructured. And if that's the case, then ultimately you, you change the mindset and you don't have to be overly worried about the optics and the market that exists out there. You know? You're absolutely right. I think, you know, going back to that cost, I was just coming up, looking at a study by Open Legacy. I don't know if you know those guys, Tomas, but going back to the cost, which, as you said, remains the same, or I think it probably even has increased over the years. You know, just to give you an idea, banks, and I didn't know this, banks spend over $200 billion a year on IT. Citigroup, Citigroup estimates that nearly 80% of that money goes towards maintaining mainframe legacy systems. So the cost aspect, 100% with you. I think it's not. The relevance is still there. It's a nice, stable system. I think it's just this public face that we talked about or Paul talked about is a great point because you've got this, this group of stakeholders that companies are trying to keep pleased all the time, including Wall Street, right? So I think there's that optics of it that they need to manage to. But like that example you talked about, the CEO didn't say that uh, conveniently didn't say, I think, was they're moving off of Unisys to IBM Z mainframe. But the point is great. uh, You know, these are stable, solid systems 
that does exactly what they're supposed to do. Not, there's not a feature parity, not an immediate, not even a close alternative in the system, uh, in the ecosystem, if they want to move off of to. And, and for many of these large companies, I think that's what the problem is. They're not, they now have this, but it's the high and rising cost of maintaining these mainframes is going to be the talk of the day going forward. I think it's not about yeah. the technology. Yeah, no, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Talking about, we talked about fake news earlier. There are a couple of news items I just want to talk about. Things mm-hmm. we've seen the last couple of weeks. Yeah. It's, been, it's been a little while since we've had a, had a show, but there's a couple of stories I'd like to talk about. Before we go on, there's a story that obviously clearly I want to talk to you about because you've got firsthand uh, interaction with an organization who has a great story to talk about, Southern California Edison, senior video talking to Chris Lacosia. I'm going to come back to that story in a moment, but sure. I thought it might be interesting just to talk about a couple of things that have happened in the market, particularly in the context of, of some of the things we talk about on the show around some of the sharp practices we see, not just in the world of, of IBM, but in the world of all of the big enterprise technology and particularly enterprise software companies, particularly one company, uh, Open Text buying Microsoft potentially for $6 billion. And that's going to be a, a change. I mean, both those organizations in the information we get from our, our customers are, I guess, trigger happy with the audits, um, mm-hmm. open text probably even more so than Microfocus, uh, and, and that could change depending on the wind. That's going to be an interesting one, isn't it? Uh, sure. Six, six billion for that acquisition. And that's a Microfocus, COBOL is what they're probably best known for, but there's yeah. lots of other things as well. So that, that is, a, a, I guess, it's a, that's a technical debt legacy play, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it's now, I mean, with this acquisition, both companies in a way, Tomas, as you know, right, uh, open text and gosh, jogging my memory, but uh, I remember they built, they're a company built on acquisitions, talk about, you know, Documentum and uh, Carbonite back in the day and even Microfocus, right? They, uh, back in 2015, 2016, they took on, they acquired the HP uh, software division. So I think the play here is, and it all remains to be seen, I know they, they're just in very early stages, but what I'm learning is they're all about, which which I think is a great direction. It's about automation and digitalization of all the business operation. They just want to put this thing, put everybody on the cloud at a global scale. They want to take the friction out of it and modernize applications So tall order coming together. But you're right. They started off, you know, it looks great on paper, right? You got COBOL, you got mainframes, you got cloud, you got low code and all of that stuff. But again, great vision, good on paper today. I think the devil will be in the details as always. Uh, Execution will be key. And it remains to be seen how they pull this thing off. Now, here's the thing, right? When you do, when you talk about mainframes and when you talk about moving to the cloud and it goes back to the original, uh, the examples we talked about, how realistic is it when you're to, you, you can even pick ERP, for example, or mainframes or any of these core systems of record that you have in place? And anytime you talk about moving them to the cloud, you got to take a deep and a hard look, right? It, cloud is not cheap, as we know. And at some point, yep. you probably may end up paying more than uh, more than your on-premise software. And the, the conversations that I hear from CIOs and points that they make is, I've already paid for this thing. Why do I have to move to the cloud or forced to move to even a private or a public cloud when I've got a perfectly running system for my system or record. Now, if you talk about a system of engagement and other things that you can, you know, bolt onto these, sure, all day long, cloud is a great enabler of those. 
So it remains to be seen. Interesting one that you picked there as a news item, Tomas. But uh, you know, I, I came across that article as well. Did you see? The, did, did you see the other one as well? Other big news, other big acquisition news is obviously speaking of cloud and the original guys who made some technology that made cloud an awful lot easier. VMware being bought by Broadcom, 61, 61 billion. Now here, here's a company. Where did they get this money from? All this yeah, money. yeah. Well, here's, here's a here's a company, Broadcom. Interesting company. I thought they made chips originally, but then they bought CA a few years back. Oh my God, talk about technical debt, CA software. <laughs> uh, I mean, if the stories we hear directly from our customers are anything mm-hmm. to go by, um, mm-hmm. I would feel sorry for VM for the VMware customers because Ooh. apparently it is chaos. I mean, by, by all accounts, from the information we have, there is a, a strategy, and it was a new, recent article in um, Insider Business about the, the, there's a feeling amongst the customers Customers of VMware that the plan from by Broadcom will be to milk VMware dry to get that oh 61 billion back. Who knows what's really going to happen here? But gee, given what's ha- what the previous experience of customers with CA software who told us directly oh, yeah. that they are very dissatisfied, it looks like people are running from the hills there. So that'll that will be an interesting one. That will be it certainly one. given the given the names, right? CA, I mean, no shortage of stories around that company and and then VMware. Yeah, no, that that is another interesting one remains to be seen. And I, I'm not surprised, by the way, of the customer sentiments and uh, the way they're perceiving it. But hey, who knows if, uh, you know, we could be surprised if CAPL's a good one and if it's all good for the industry. But again, track record is track record for some companies. Yeah, that's true. That's it. So let's let's bring this conversation on. I want to talk to you about the story. You know, we've we've heard from, from many of our customers how mainframes impact their business. We've been talking about it. And some of the frustrations that they face, right? You know, you 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 have been out talking with and to and mm-hmm. recorded. You were on stage in Boston mm-hmm. with Chris Chris Lacosio, who was mm-hmm. who was the main driver at Southern California Edison. Do you tell me tell me a little bit about that story? That's that's really I think that's interesting. I mean, obviously, I know the story, but for our listeners, what what really happened there? Tell us the backstory. Yeah, and how yeah. how is it relevant? Yeah, absolutely. And before I dive into the Southern California Edison story, I think we talked about a couple of these, but very, you know, broadly, uh, Tomas, as you know, I've been on the road and talking to a lot of original clients and, uh, you know, other companies, prospective clients as well, and CIOs and IT leaders and uh, in the procurement organizations. But the themes, the pains are the same, and they broadly fall, uh, I believe, in in four big areas, right? high maintenance cost we talked about that it's you know what am i what am i getting in terms of value why am i paying so much for such a stable system and the 20 22% that i pay to ibm and i'm i'm focused on ibm here and because we're talking about the mainframe and specifically the pains around it and i talked to you about that citigroup number and 80 80 to 90% of a, a typical it budget goes just towards keeping the lights on according to gartner and a sizable portion of that, if you're talking to a mainframe customer, so that high maintenance costs, big pain. Okay, so I'm paying all this money, but am I getting good support? No, we're not. they're not getting good support from IBM for different reasons, and we'll talk about that, but they don't get the value from, from, from what they're paying IBM as well. The other interesting one, again, not surprising, is they just don't have the skills internally or other companies, they just... Because all of these, these are many decades of decades long product that have been perfected over the years. And a lot of that talent has moved on. And in some cases, IBM has unfortunately let them go. But there's there's a big shortage of Z specific skills. And then the ability to modernize Z platforms, right? You know, with how do I how do I change some of these mainframe applications to support my innovation? 
So it's it can be done, but many companies struggle with the modernizing part. So high cost, poor support from IBM. We don't have the skills and we need to continually modernize. And I want to make sure my Z system interoperates well with the rest of the environment. So keep those four things in mind. Let me come to the Southern California Edison story. Fascinating story. And for those of you... So tell us, what was special? What made them kind of sort of a candidate for for an organization like us to help? And what were they thinking? How did they... Yeah, absolutely. How do they go about this? Yeah. Yeah. And the reason I brought up those four points, four pains, is they're going to resonate with this story. So, just a quick backdrop, right? So, for those of you who don't know Southern California Edison, a 130 year old power company servicing Southern California, Central California, one of the largest uh, electric utilities in, in the United States. They approached Original for support about three years ago now, and originally it was for the MQ product. For those of you who know the IBM Passport Advantage family of products, MQ is one of those. So they came to Original and said, you know, hey, can you support our MQ product? And initially, like many of our clients have, uh, they're not fully convinced. They wanted to see it in action. So we did a quick uh, proof of concept. But Original was able to solve in four hours an MQ ticket that was still unresolved and languishing in IBM support world for six months. And they were going back and forth. This goes back, Tomas, to the poor support. And though mm-hmm. they were paying high maintenance maintenance to IBM, six months and they didn't hear anything. And here we are, we come in and solve, original solves it in four hours. And that gave Chris Lacosia, who was the lead for IBM for Southern California Edison, he was the head of their uh, IBM software and maintenance contract. That got him very intrigued. They began to get the confidence. So long story short, they went from there to they added other products like WebSphere and WebSphere set of products, the rational set of products, ID management, et cetera. Now, fast forward 18 months, this was in 2020 or so, when California was faced with some serious uh, wildfires back then. And Chris and team, I remember, you know, he was gracious to share the story at a recent event in Boston on stage with me. And he talked about how the IT organization at Southern California Edison was under tremendous pressure to to remediate, to strengthen their networks, can protect themselves and their customers from the service uh, due to these wildfires. And all that is very expensive. And at the same time, they're rolling out, I believe, a customer-facing system. And that was consuming a lot of their people, their time, their money. And in, in the midst of all this, and this is this goes back to how did we get to Z mainframe support? In the midst of all this, he realized that one of the big line items of his budget was this IBM Z maintenance cost. And that caught his attention. And that's when, while they had, given the size of the company, they were there already. They had already decided to move to a replacement technology, but to maintain a production-ready, a fireproof mainframe at the lowest possible cost was Chris's mission. He was going to free up every, you know, all these precious uh, resources, the people, the time, the money he could, so he could continue to keep the service going for their company and their, their consumers. And that's when he spoke with the origin again. By then... As you can imagine, the trust was there, the partnership, the credibility was there, and it just became a logical extension. And it helped him make a business case to his senior executives, talking about their experience with Original the last couple of years. And in part, that's how Original got to supporting the Z mainframe, because there were so many examples like Southern California Edison, so many IBM Z mainframe customers in the same boat. 
and they're looking for a choice. They're looking for help. And that's where Original fits in. And that's how we got Southern California Edison to be one of Original's first uh, Z customers. Great story. Great story. And, and actually, to be honest with you, it, it ties in, doesn't it, with, with the whole you know, restructure that technical debt. I mean, they would have been under pressure to make replacements potentially for that environment. Exactly. There would have been end of support issues around it. And they would have been the usual, oh, I can't do this. And, and you know, th this is what we're trying to talk to people about all the time. I mean, we're talking to people about, about you know, we talk about changing the software world. What are we What are we talking about there? We're really actually talking to people about just question. You need to start to question what people are, are telling you. You know, do, do, do you believe all of the FUD and spin that you get from them? Like, you know, can't upgrade, need the vendor support because of, whatever standard it's, it's amazing it's it's, yeah. it's amazing when you think about the number one reason every time i have the opportunity to ask this question and i, and I bring it up almost every presentation i do is what is the number what what is the number one reason companies upgrade to the next version the answer is just to stay supported. Isn't that something? I mean, just to stay supported, but there's no ROI conversation. There's none of that. You're spending, as one CIO said, when I every time I do an upgrade, not only am I spending millions of dollars, but I have my best and my brightest people tied up in this upgrade treadmill. And guess what? All those innovation and those digital and all the transformation initiatives that my CEO and the board wants me to focus on, I can't get to those because I started to do this upgrade. And why am I doing this upgrade? Because I run the risk of not being supported. It's amazing. It's just, uh, you know, it's <laughs> it just uh, doesn't feel right. Yeah, but, but also, I mean, even over here, in, I've been in Australia for the last two weeks and you hear people say the same stuff you hear everywhere. Oh, um, there's a cyber insurance clause that says, I have to have vendor support. Well, actually show it to me. You know, when we get into the, with the Louise, there isn't one. <laughs> it doesn't say that. No. Genuinely, it doesn't say, it does say you have to have to have support first, of course. And because vendor support, as we know, does not necessarily provide you with the protection you need. So that's if that's right. all you needed, sure, that but for years, and no disrespect to Microsoft, but it would have been known that Microsoft was not the most secure environment. And that's if all right. you needed was to patch Microsoft, well, that was it, then you'd still be in trouble. So the reality is that ultimately we're talking about this FUD, this spin, you know, I'll be more vulnerable if I move to, a, to an independent provider. If I, you know, just go back to restructure the ultimate technical debt platform mainframe would be exactly what we would, were suggesting people think about. We're not saying it's the only solution, but we're absolutely telling people to think about that these days. I'm thinking we're near the end of the show. It was a great story. Thank you for that. I really, really love the story there about how, what Southern California were able to do. I'm assuming we're still we're still do, look we're still looking after them, Harry, to this day. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. And again, it's not only that, but we're seeing such a growing interest, Tomas. And I can tell from my travels and my conversations when what you uh, now you have expanded to include mainframe. Yes. Back in June at our Empower conference, that when we announced that Origina is offering IBM mainframe users the same freedom to choose third-party software maintenance for their perpetually licensed products that run on the Z operating system. So many of many of those products you may be familiar with, um, DB2 and MQ, and some of them may be unique, but we're now the only provider to provide all IBM software maintenance, not only for the perpetual licensed products on open 
and distributed systems, which are all the passport advantage set of products, but the mainframe as well. And the timing is perfect, right? So Origina has perfected the model over the last decade with the passport advantage. I talked about the Southern California Edison story. We have so many clients now with the trust, the credibility and global customers. You're talking to people in Australia. I'm talking to customers across other regions. So now it's uh, the word is getting out. The customer confidence, here's the key. Customer confidence has inspired us to expand our offering to Z mainframe customers now, and the timing couldn't be better. Telecoms, banks, electric companies, every every customer that we talk, every industry that we touched upon in the conversation today that has mainframe will be interested. So let us know if there's anything we can help you with. But that's how we got into the Z mainframe business. Brilliant, brilliant. Big problem for people to have. It looks like mainframes are not going anywhere, as Paul Arnold nope. said back in the day. They are not dead. <laughs> and now maybe with the help of us and your team, we're going to get the support that they deserve. Brilliant. Listen, I think we'll call it a day. We'll, we'll be back again very soon for me in Australia, in Sydney. It's raining outside, but that's okay. I've had some lovely weather while I was here. <laughs> Harry, for you in California, what's it like where you are? Oh, it's it's gorgeous. Beautiful evening, ready for a walk. It's what? about seven in the evening and it's still nice and sunny and uh, it's a beautiful evening here in San Jose, California. Yeah, appreciate the uh, opportunity, Tomas. Great being here and having the opportunity to share a few points of view on this podcast. Thank you for inviting me. Well, Harry, oh, candidate, we love to have you as an honorary Irishman <laughs> oh, any day I, of the I'm, week. I'm going to get used to that. How are you, Canada? I like the ring of it. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Thank you, Harry. Thank you. But anybody who listened in, we will talk to you all soon. Take care and goodbye. Thank you.